Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. With this sermon, we begin a six-sermon series called Holy Habits. This Sunday, we start with the beginning of worship. Why do we do what we do? How does it impact us? And what should we be looking for? You're listening to Holy Habits, Grace to You, and Peace by Rev. Peter Yonker. I said it at 8.40, I'll say it again at 11. Choir, it's good to have you back. Thank you for your hard work. Thank you, Jim, for your work. And it's uh, good to have all of you back as well. Um, at 8.40, it was the same way at 11. It's you, all the 11 o'clock people are here. You've all found your usual seats. God is in his heaven and all is right with the world. <laughs> we are creatures of habit, which you will hear more about in this sermon. Our Bible reading this morning is from Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to read the very first seven verses of Romans chapter 1. Romans 1, verses 1 through 7, Paul's introduction to this great letter. Listen. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and holy scriptures, regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, and who who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him, we've received grace and apostleship to call Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. And now the verse that I'm really going to be focusing on. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. So this morning we begin a new sermon series, as I said. And it's a sermon series that will last for uh, six weeks. So it'll last almost till the end of October And it will have a little different theme than any sermon series I've done here or ever done anywhere. And that is, we will be focusing on worship. We will be thinking about the elements of what we do here in worship every Sunday morning. We will be reflecting on why we do them, why we do them in the order that we find them. Uh, We'll be thinking about where our order comes from Scripture. We do these things in worship. What is the scriptural basis of these things we do? And very importantly, we'll be thinking about how does worship form us? What does it do to us when we come into this place week after week after week and we do this ritual? Because that's what worship does. Worship forms us. Worship is a holy habit. And as is true of all habits, when we do it week after week, the Holy Spirit does something to us when we gather for worship. The Holy Spirit taps on our hearts and taps on our souls and works us into a certain shape. And that's what all habits do. All habits shape your character. All of us have habits. All of us have things that we do every day, things that we do every week, things that we do every year, all right? And some of these habits are things that we adopt. You know, I'm gonna start working out every morning. We take on that habit deliberately. Other habits are things that we just kind of fall into. You sort of find yourself on the couch for two hours every night 
watching TV and having a couple of drinks. Regardless of how you come to them, these daily habits, these weekly habits, they form who you are. And what they form in particular is they shape your affections and they shape your loves and they shape the things to which you pay attention. Let me give an example. This is kind of a stock example that I give, so some of you may have heard it before. When I was 10 years old, I was a huge fan of the Montreal Canadiens, the hockey team, an absolutely enormous fan of this hockey team. They had all of my love and all of my attention. I lived and died with their wins and with their losses. They mattered a lot to me. And, and my great love for the Montreal Canadiens was fed by two habits, two rituals. One of those habits was weekly. Every week, I would get together. I didn't have a television growing up. That's another story that I'll tell some other time. I didn't have a television, very traumatic. <laughs> so every week on Saturday night at 8 o'clock, I would go to my friend Frank Van Dyke's house. And we'd go down to his basement, and we'd watch Hockey Night in Canada, and I would watch my, with him my beloved Montreal Canadiens, and we would cheer for them. And so that was a habit I practiced every week, and it was also a communal habit because I was doing it with my friend. And by doing that every week, it just grew my love for my team. And there was also a daily habit. Every day when the evening newspaper came, I would ran to grab to get it. I would open to the sports section, and I would go to the box scores for the Montreal Canadiens. Who scored? Who got assists? Is Guy Lafleur still the leading scorer in the league? These were things that were very important to me. So a weekly habit, a daily habit, built in me an enormous love for my team. When I moved to Michigan, I fell out of those habits. Montreal Canadiens were not in Michigan. You couldn't find a game anywhere. And so on Saturday night, I was not watching Hockey Night in Canada. I was out with my college friends doing something completely different. And the Grand Rapids Press, great paper, did not have extensive hockey box scores. Maybe the Red Wings, certainly not the Canadians. And so what happened to my loves? I have fallen away. If you ask me which team I love the most, which is my favorite hockey team, I will still say the Montreal Canadiens, but my love is a pale shadow of what it was. I am a nominal fan. I don't pay attention for weeks at a time. The habits that I lost made me lose my love. We are creatures of habit. The things that we practice every day, every week, every year, shape our loves and make us who we are. Worship, what we're doing right now, is a special habit. It's a holy habit. It's not just a human thing. It's not just you practicing something every day or every week. When we get together, the Holy Spirit works on us and begins to shape our souls. And when I say that, I'm not just giving you sociology, I'm giving you scripture. The Bible, when you read it, doesn't just call us to believe things, doesn't just call us to practice morals, it calls us to ritual. The Bible calls you to habits, holy habits of faith that build us together and turn our attention towards God. Old Testament prescribes yearly rituals, right? The annual feasts that all the Israelites had to make pilgrimages to. You went with your family, it brought you together, it built up your faith. Daily sacrifices, daily prayers, weekly habits of worship. When you had a kid, you had to make a sacrifice. 
When the harvest was brought in, you had to follow a ritual of thanksgiving. All these rituals in the Old Testament brought us together, turned hearts towards God. The New Testament is no different. Jesus practiced all those rituals. He went to the feasts. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. It was his custom, Scripture tells us. He did the daily prayers. And when the New Testament church was formed, they gathered every week. And what did they do? They broke bread together. They communed with one another. They had holy habits. And when Jesus founded this, this supper, what did he say? Do this in remembrance of me. It's not a, a moral call. It's not calling you to believe something. First of all, first of all, it's calling you to a habit. The central ritual of our faith is weekly Christian worship. This thing that we do together every week and the things that surround it, the education, the fellowship that we have, the care that we give each other, coming here week after week is the central ritual of our faith. And when you come here week after week, when you practice this ritual, the Holy Spirit works on your heart and shapes you. When you don't practice that ritual, you fall out of shape. You get spiritually flabby. And in its place, whatever ritual you practice instead, that will shape your attention. That will shape your loves. So for the next six weeks, we'll be thinking about this ritual and what's happening and how the Holy Spirit is forming us. And today we will start at the very beginning, which is a good place to start with the intro to our services. There's a lot of things that happen at the beginning of an intro to a grave, grave service. You've all just experienced it, so you know very well what we do. But the centerpiece of the beginning of our worship, I believe, is our greeting. Every week when we gather here, either me in the evening or the liturgist in the morning, we raise our hands over you and we say, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. We do it week after week after week. Now we do a lot of other things at the beginning of our service, but that greeting, I believe, is the center. And I, I say that because not everyone can do it. Have you noticed that some of our liturgists, and specifically I'm talking about Chad and Aaron, when they get up here and say the words of greeting, they don't raise their hands? Have you noticed that? You know why? They're not allowed. I know that sounds harsh, but that's true. That's in our church order. Only an ordained minister, they're studying to be pastors in seminary, but they're not ordained yet. Only an ordained pastor can raise their hand for the blessing and raise their hand for the greeting. We call it an official act of ministry. And what we mean to say by that is that when that greeting is given, it's not just the person up front. It's not me giving the greeting or Bob giving the greeting. The greeting is from God himself. It is God speaking to us, giving us his blessing, giving us his greeting. It has weight. Okay, that's interesting. Where does that come from? Why did we decide to do this thing and say those words at the beginning of the service? It came from Paul's letters. Specifically, it came from the kind of passage I just read because at the beginning of his letters, every single time, when Paul greets the congregations to whom he is writing, he says some version of what he says in verse 7. To all who are loved by God and called his holy people, grace and peace to you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He does it in every letter. It's a little different every time. 
In First and Second Timothy, it's grace, mercy, and peace, and not just grace and peace, but every single time there is this offering of grace at the beginning. Now, when we read his letters, we don't pay much attention to that greeting, do we? We sort of read right past it to get to the meat of things. We sort of think of it as boilerplate, right? We think of this like, like, like in English, we start a letter, Dear Peter, and we don't linger on it. Like if, if I got a letter and it said, Dear Peter, and I started thinking about that, and I looked at the word dear, and I said, oh, they said dear. What does this mean? Do they have, how, what, are their feelings for me complicated? How do I understand this? If I said that, you say, oh, Peter, this is wrong. You're overthinking it. It's just a boilerplate. This is how letters start. So I think sometimes we treat this grace and peace thing as just boilerplate beginning, but it's not. The Greeks had a standard way of starting a letter. And that was the word karen, which means greetings. So if you're an ordinary Greek person writing an ordinary Greek letter, you'd just say, karen, it's Peter, how are you doing? It's the same way they used to greet each other in the marketplace. Karen, how are you doing? Paul has deliberately changed that. Karen has become charis. Greetings has become grace. And to that, Paul has added rene, which is peace. Grace and peace instead of just greetings. Okay, that's interesting. Does it make a difference? Absolutely it does. If you just say greetings, if like greetings is Paul, greetings is Peter, where is the energy for the greeting coming from? From me, right? Greetings, hi. It's horizontal. The power of the greeting is coming from me. When Paul says grace and peace, where is the power of the greeting coming from? From God. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is not doing something horizontal. He's driving the eyes of his readers vertically. By starting his letters this way, Paul is reminding every one of his audiences, this is where your help comes from. Because all of these congregations would have been absorbed, just like all we human beings are, with horizontal matters, right? They would have had fights in their church. They would have had conflicts with outsiders. They've been wondering how to live in the world. And Paul addresses all those horizontal matters. He tells them to do horizontal things. He gives them lots of things to do in response. This is how you should respond to outsiders. This is how you should treat each other. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor. Do not be overcome by evil. Lots of things to do, lots of horizontal activities. But before he gets to any of those things, Paul wants to start with what is most important, with what is foundational, and that is grace and peace. He says, I have many things to say to you. My letter will be filled with instructions and confrontations. But before I do any of those things, just stop. Turn your eyes upward and remember where your hope comes from. Grace, peace to you. The reason Paul starts his letters by this invocation of this holy grace is the same reason we Christians start our worship services by saying grace and peace. Because when you come in here and when I come in here, our minds are awash in the horizontal. We are full of worries. We know our sins. We know our failures. 
We're thinking about the things out there in the world. We're thinking about the things in our congregation. All of those things are swirling in our head. But then you come into this place and this greeting is meant to bump your eyes out of your head and all those worries and up to the horizontal and remind you where your hope lies. Everything else might be swirling, but this, my friends, does not move. Grace to you and peace. Everything that happens at the beginning of the grave service is meant to get you out of the horizontal and turn you vertical. The processional, the cross, the Bible, the opening hymn, which as you look again at what we sang this morning, turns your head upwards. And when we raise our arms and you hold out your hands or you bow your head or whatever you do when we give those greetings, something fundamental is happening. You know yourself as a dependent child of God and you receive his grace. Sometimes people come to me and to other pastors at the grave and we tell them, and people don't know us very well or not from this congregation, and we tell them that we're at the grave and they go, oh, wow, the grave. Because you have a reputation, right? You know that. It's kind of a highfalutin, right? I mean, that's honestly, that's what they think. Oh, the grave, that's high, you know, stained glass. And, and they say, wow, there must be, you're at the grave. That, there's a lot of successful people and that's got a big history and they're so smart there. That must be really intimidating. And when we say to them, you know what? They're not so smart. <laughs> that's, that's not what we actually say. But we do say to them, we do say to them, and this is the truth, this is the truth. Whether they're a brilliant businessman or a great lawyer or an accomplished professor or a five-year-old kid squirreling around in a pew, what they need is the grace of Jesus Christ and the peace that comes with knowing that he died for you and holds you tight. That's what we need. That's what we all need. And that's why we begin our worship that way. So, congregation, to the parents here trying to raise your kids and struggling and wondering if you're doing it right, grace to you and peace. To the couple here trying to hold your marriage together and wondering if you're going to make it, grace to you and peace. To the college student approaching graduation and terrified by what the next adult stage of life will be, grace to you and peace. To the widow or the widower, just worn out from grief and tired of being alone, grace to you and peace. And to all of you so worried about the future of this congregation, this society, grace to you and peace from God our Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can come to this place, turn our eyes heavenward, and rest in the cradle of your grace. Lord, thank you that we can send our roots down to your stream, to your living water. That's what we need every week, Father, you know it. And now, having turned our eyes heavenward, we know that there's lots of things you've called us to do and lots of things you've called us to be. Give us the strength to do those things, knowing that we are forever your children. Amen.
Thank you for listening to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.